You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Just before I want to start this morning and get going, I just want to pray for you. So if you are at all involved in schools in any capacity, whether you're an administrator or an assistant or a helper or, a, you know, obviously teacher or the janitor or whatever, would you just raise your hand? We want to just pray for you this morning. Awesome. Let's pray together for our awesome teachers. Oh, yeah, we can thank them. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for these incredible people that invest into the future of our children. God, and then invest in the future of this city and this place. And God, we know that they are called to something really incredible and powerful and special and difficult. And God, as exciting it is, we know there's so much emotional energy that's about to be expended. And so, God, I pray that this morning you would empower and strengthen and encourage every teacher for this future. God, we, we just pray safety over our schools. We pray safety over our classroom. If you agree with me, just agree with me this morning that we pray safety over every school. We pray joy over every place. We pray protection over every child. And we pray that this would be a year of testing testimony in these classrooms. So we give them to you. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. Can we thank our teachers one more time? Awesome. I, uh, we went to the meet the teacher day, and I just felt for the teachers more than ever. There's like 40 kindergartners, and I was like, y'all are better people than me. I know that for a fact. Teachers are, you know. We don't deserve teachers. They're too good for us. <laughs> um, and we went to another one at Tanalea Elementary just down the road. And I love that school. We love Tanalea. Uh, really fantastic people as well. And got to hand out like 600 water bottles and went back to just handing out all these cards, inviting. And I'm really excited. And, I, and I'm praying that they come. And I'm praying that you, if you have kids, come next week too. Because we, for the first time, are launching a very special kids series in our kids space called Amazonia. And our kids pastors out of town right now. Because uh, she's in like 8 million weddings because when you're in your 20s, that's what you do. You spend all your money flying to be in other people's weddings. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so she's there. But it's amazing. We have some awesome people who are, who are decorating, making designs. And they're going to go on this journey uh, through the Amazon together. And the whole space is going to be decked out. They're going to get little safari hats. and just It's going to be a blast. So I encourage you, man, if you know kids or just even see them in the street and it's okay to talk to them, uh, invite them, and uh, it's going to be an awesome Sunday because next Sunday we're going to two services. Somebody say two services. Two services. Awesome. Uh, and nine, and what's the other one? I can't remember. Awesome. Perfect. I could, but I was just making sure y'all could. Um, so nine and 1045, that means prayers at eight. But really, really excited for, for August 11th. This is big for us as a church, and we're just praying big things. Remember, we're going to two services because we want to give more opportunity for your friends, family, and neighbor to encounter Jesus Christ in their life. So this isn't like, oh, great, now I can sleep in. I mean, you can, praise the Lord. If you're at 1045 and you're like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I'm just waiting for that 1045 service. Perfect. That's good for you. But y'all better bring a friend at 1045. Sleep in, wake up, get some breakfast, and then come here. And uh, we'll celebrate. Uh, but hey, uh, I'm going to preach a little message this morning called Heart for the Harvest. If you brought your Bibles, open up to Matthew 9, 35. This is a standalone sermon. We're going to launch into our series called Pursuit next week. But this is a standalone sermon, um, really looking at what is the heart of Christ and more uh, connected for you and I this morning. is like, what is the heart of Christ and what is the heart of Banner Church as we follow Christ? 
Like, well, what, what do we do? What is our mission? What is our purpose here? And so I want to read you the scripture and just dive right in if we can do that this morning for the sake of time. Matthew 9, verse 35 says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God, we just come before you this morning, and I pray that as we walk through your scripture, that it would not only inform our hearts, but it would transform our hearts, and it would renew our minds, God, and it would strengthen us for the week ahead. And so we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, how many of you guys have ever been as a kid? I don't know if they have these here because it's a plant. Um, how many of you have been to a blueberry farm? Sweet. I just narrowed it down to the smallest demographic. Love it. That's how you start a sermon in case y'all are taking notes, young ministers. Find something that nobody's been to. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to go to blueberry farms. And uh, I'll explain it in case you're like, what is that? Uh, it's a farm with blueberries. Uh, <laughs> get ready for the deepest sermon of your life. Um, and so there's just bushes and, and bushes and bushes. And as far as you can see, there's just more and more blueberries, essentially. And uh, you go in, and it's called you pick, which is basically we're going to charge you the same amount, but you have to do the work. But here's where you get them on the you pick, is they mean you pick, but we all mean all you can eat, right? It's like when you're a kid and you get into a blueberry farm, it's bushes of food. And, like, kids don't fully understand all the time that, like, food comes from plants. Like, and so you show up as a kid and, and you got your bucket and you go and you go into the field and you pick and you're supposed to bring your bucket and weigh it. And so as a little kid, I remember looking out of this field of blueberries and just endless possibilities are racing through my mind. And uh, as you go through, I'm just like, one for the bucket, three for my mouth, right? One for the bucket, five for my mouth, three for my mouth from my mouth. The bucket is gone. We've lost the bucket. I'm lost. My parents are gone, but I'm in the blueberries, right? <laughs> it's like the hills are alive with the smell of blueberries. And you just go through this process. And, and I remember being as a kid, like, like you think differently than adults. Like adults go up and they're like, okay, is this the right, is this the right bush? Is this a good bush? Are we starting with a good bush? Are these good blueberries? What happens if we get a rotten one? Has anyone found the good bush? I mean, they have to like find the perfect bush of blueberries, right? And you think like, what if I get a thorn? What if I get a bug? Like, like how did when did we get so anxious? Twelve. That's when it happened. Uh, but, but, you know, adults are just so like, okay, got to make sure, got to get the right ones. Kids just eat handfuls. Like, they reach into the bush and just rip. And if they get a leaf, like, who has kids here? Like, they get a leaf, they're like, I don't care. I don't care, rotten one, bug, ladybug. They just get it. You're like, that's sand. That's not even blueberries, right? That's how, that's how kids function. It's just like handfuls and handfuls. Like, kids don't get in their head about harvesting, right? Like kids, they just eat. My daughter goes into uh, my mom's garden, and she's like flat peas, and she just rips them off the bush, and she just eats them because to her, everything's ripe, and if she gets an unripe one, it's like, and then she picks another one, right? She's not like, well, I don't know. I got to weigh it and get the right size, and I got to wash them, right? That's just, there, there's so much. And so as a kid, you're just going, 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 going. You have like four blueberries when you get to the thing, but you're full, and so you're happy. Uh, but 
But it's interesting, being at the farm, I, I always thought, like, man, I wonder if they're going to get mad that all these kids are eating the blueberries, right? But if I, if I could really explain to you the scale of it, there's so many blueberries at this farm that we would go to that they would fall to the ground before you could pick them all. Right? So, like, they would get ripe. And if you know anything about plants or food or the earth, uh, blueberries, they get ripe, and then they get really ripe, and then they fall and they die. And so, in this farm, there's just this understanding that you need to go and pick. It's good for production of the plant. You need to pick it because if you don't pick it, it's going to fall and it's going to die. So, the farmer doesn't care for four-year-olds eating and just grabbing handfuls because there's so much. There's such a huge harvest that if they just reach in handfuls and do it, they're, they're never going to run out right? And it's better to eat it, to harvest it, than to let it die. And, and I kind of miss that childhood mentality, right? Like, I miss being a kid, because now I, you know, the phrase that I hear all the time is like, oh, I just, I'm so in my head. And I, I think that's true. Like, we're just so like, I don't know, is this the right thing? Like, I'm going to make sure it's right. got to make sure it's safe. And I miss just being like a dumb kid that would just reach into bushes and just eat food, just totally sold out for the harvest. Because what happens is when everybody else is worrying about the little bits, those who reach in and grab a handful get filled up. Those who reach in and reach out for the harvest get filled up. And it's interesting, as I was reading this, this, this came to my mind, this attitude, this mentality of the harvest, and, and just this moment of being a child of just reaching in and just hungry and hungry and hungry and just wanting it. And it's like, I get a rotten one, whatever. If I get a bug, whatever. If I get a leaf, whatever. I'm just gonna, if I get scratched, whatever, I'm just going to keep reaching in because I want to get full. And, and, I, and it's this weird image that came to my mind, but it reminded me in this moment because I believe that if we would look around, there was a harvest so big that if you would just get out of your head and reach out, you would get filled up. If we could as a church honestly get out of our head and is this the right place and is this the right thing what happens if I pick a wrong one what happens if I get a little scratched up if we could get outside of our head and just reach out and grab it I think we would see the greatest harvest that the church and that this nation and that Scottsdale has ever seen if we kind of got a little more like kids and a little less like anxious adults and so when I read this, I, I, I realize in this scripture that there is a great harvest. And that here's the thing about any harvest. If you don't pick it, it will die. There is a timeline and a timetable for every piece of the harvest. And if you don't pick it, you, it doesn't stay on the vine. It dies. And it doesn't come back. And so as we've been praying as a church my prayer for our church is that we would have this value, and I'll explain what it means in a second. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Is that we would have a heart for the harvest. That we as individuals would have a heart for the harvest. And let me explain what that means. Is that we as Banner Church will not wait for someone else to tell our friends about Jesus. That we as Banner Church will not wait for someone else to tell our family about Jesus. That we as Banner Church will not wait to tell our city about Jesus and our neighbors about Jesus. We're not going to wait for someone else to do it, but we have a heart for the harvest. Why? Because Jesus had a heart for the harvest. Amen? Because that was his heart. 
And so I, I really believe that Christ gave us this imagery this morning that we're going to walk through in Matthew 9 so that we might get a heart for the harvest. Turn to your neighbor and say, heart for the harvest. Turn to your neighbor like you're excited to be at church. People are going to hell, but you're going to win the victory of Jesus Christ this morning and say, heart for the harvest. There we go. All right. Some of y'all are about to wake up with the spirit. Here we go. But Matthew 9.35, I love how it starts out. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. Look at that. And Jesus went through the cities, teaching in their synagogues. What does that mean? It means Jesus went to church. So good job, everyone. You did it. <laughs> this morning you were like Jesus. Right? Jesus went to church. This is a total side note, but did you know Jesus went to church? Right? Not only did Jesus go to church, but he brought his friends. And you say, well, you haven't met my friends. And I would say to you, have any of your friends got you killed? Because if so, then you're probably still doing a little better than Jesus. <laughs> he was 11 for 12. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a total, that's a total side note. But what did Jesus do? When we really look at this, I know I'm just playing. If you come back to me later, be like, well, Jesus didn't. We're like, I know, I'm just joking so that we can be on the same page and lighten up. Uh, <laughs> But do, I mean, do come to church. It's good. Jesus did it. We should all do it. Uh, but it says he taught in their synagogues and he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. Right here, Jesus gives us an example. If you're writing notes right, Jesus gives us an example. What is the example? That Jesus is laying for us, for us to follow is he teaches the gospel and he heals the sick. Extraordinary and simple simultaneously, like overwhelming and incredibly simple and bite-sized. Jesus gives us an example of teaching the gospel and healing the sick. See, the heart of Christ is freedom. The heart of Christ is freedom. And this is what Jesus is all about. And if you read through scripture and if you read through the gospels, Jesus is all about healing the sick, healing those afflicted, healing those oppressed, healing those under oppression, and speaking the truth. And so that was his mission. He found broken, messy, beat up, beat down people, and he lifted their bodies and he saved their soul. And he spoke truth to them and he spoke healing into their body and into their life, and he touched them and he changed them. Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking, saying his mission, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. See, the desire of Christ, maybe it's your first time in church and you're like, what is this all about? The desire of Christ is freedom in the life of every person. That's why he went to the cross, to give us victory and to give us freedom over our debt of sin. To give us freedom over what we have accrued and could never paid. To give us freedom and victory. Did you know that church shouldn't be a drag? It should be a place of freedom. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and the spirit's here. I don't know if you knew that this morning, but the spirit of God is here. And so it means that freedom is here. And so the example that Jesus sets for you and I is freedom. And here's how you do it. You teach the gospel and you heal the sick. Teach the gospel, we share the salvation of Jesus Christ, the freedom from sin and shame. And you heal the sick, that's a supernatural power. That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 53, when prophesied about Jesus, said, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Jesus bore our suffering on the cross, not so we could have a neat service or clever human videos or neat cross necklaces. He went to the cross so that we might have freedom. He went to the grave and came back to life and defeated death, hell, and the grave so that we would have victory. So that eternally we could walk with him. And so he gives us this example of what we should do. And I know there's many other things that we do. But the primary core of our heart for the harvest is to teach the truth, to share the gospel, and to heal the sick. And this is our mission. If you are at Banner Church, this is the mission that you are co-opting into. If you come here and call it your church, is the freedom and power that comes with the new life in Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Matthew 9, 36, let's keep going. It says this, it says, when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So not only does Jesus give us an example, right here, Jesus gives us a motivation. And that motivation is compassion. Somebody say compassion. Somebody say compassion. All right, we're going to turn it on. Here we go. Motivation is like the key to doing anything, right? Like if you, uh, if you want to do something, if you want to achieve something, you need like a motivation. You need a why, right? Like Simon Sinek talks about lead with a why. Got to start with the why. When, when you're lazy, it's because we, we don't have the motivation, right? And so Jesus gives us the why. Why teach? Why heal? Why serve? Why do these things? And it's compassion. Scripture says if you look at 36, he had compassion for them. And I like this word. Uh, because it, it's so deeper than just like the, the idea of compassion of like they felt, he felt bad for them. It means he was moved in his guts. Like it, the word is bowels, but I think we get too weird with that word. But it's like he felt it in his guts, like in his core, in his being. When Jesus saw people that were hurting, when Jesus saw the people that were distant from the freedom that comes from him, they were moved. He was moved in his guts, in his inward being. See, the mission of our church is motivated by compassion. I, I remember when we were in uh, Mexico, we were right between um, Guadalajara and um, Puerto Vallarta, and there's a city called Topeak, and we went to uh, a youth prison in Topeak. And I remember going to this youth prison, and I remember just talking with these young men in this youth prison. And some of them were in there for what I would consider very good reasons. Very good reasons. And they would admit that they were very good reasons. And yet when I talked to these young men, my heart broke. And I felt it in my guts. Because you know what I saw? It wasn't each individual person. And you could go anywhere and see this, but this hit me. Is it wasn't each individual person. It was, it was the missed freedom. It was the missed potential. It was the missed hope. It was the pain that had been inflicted upon them that they inflicted on others, right? It was the brokenness. It was the sorrow. And I felt that, like, I just wish I could just reset button every life back to before the hurt, before the pain, before someone did something, said something, treated them in a certain way, and just restore it back and bring back the freedom because I felt that in my guts. Like, man, that this isn't how you were created to be. This isn't where you were created to live. This isn't the pain you were created to feel or to put on other people. I want the freedom and I just felt that in my core and I still feel it now and I just think that's how Jesus feels for every person that's how he feels for you this morning if you've never encountered his love is he he doesn't just like wish you would get your crap together 
He feels in his guts for you, in the core of his being. I want him to be free. I want him to have hope. I want him to be restored. These are my children. I am their shepherd. Right, he says there, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, goats do fine on their own. If you ever, if you ever met goats, goats are fine on their own. Honestly, we could all do without goats. Uh, but sheep need a shepherd. And so when Jesus is saying this, he's invoking this imagery that I'm talking about. This was to motivate us as a church because he's saying, my, my people, my children, they, they are in a place of such great danger, right, a sheep without a shepherd. They're in a place of great danger where something can, is taking advantage of them and hurting them and leading them astray and leading them into darkness. My, my people, my children are like sheep without a shepherd. They are in great danger, but they lack the resources to do anything about it. And so as a church, as people, as Christians, we're not motivated by trying to rack up the numbers and fill two services. We're motivated by the deep compassion of Jesus that looks at our friends and our family and says, there's so much freedom and there's so much more hope and there's so much more life and there's so much more joy. And we're stirred in our guts by the compassion that says, I'm not going to wait for someone else to tell my family about the freedom of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to wait for someone else to tell my friends about the freedom of Jesus Christ. God, would you stir inside of me a fire and a hunger and a compassion like Jesus that when I see the hurting and broken, I don't shift to the side or get annoyed and just say, oh, I can't stand people. But I'm stirred for compassion to say and to speak the love of Jesus. Because if you've found Jesus, you know what it's like to be lost. And that's our motivation the great compassion for other people. Are you still with me this morning? Ask yourself in this moment before I read this next scripture, does my heart ache for people who are without Jesus like Jesus' heart ached for me? Does my heart ache or am I good now that I found it? Matthew 9.37 says this. It says, then he said to his disciples, anytime it says, then he said to the people following him, and you want to follow Jesus, just kind of like pay attention. So if you've been on your phone, on Instagram, now's your moment uh, to, to lock in. He said, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to into his harvest. So Jesus gives us an example. Jesus has given you uh, motivation. And now Jesus is giving you a mission. And your mission, your purpose, your, your identified goal from Jesus Christ is the harvest. Someone say the harvest. See, he says the harvest is what? Plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are what? So the harvest is what? And the workers are what? He's looking at his disciples and he's saying to his disciples, the harvest is here. Like, it's now. The harvest is currently. See, I, I, I love going to like gatherings of pastors, but every time I go, everyone's praying for the revival. Like, God, we need your revival. We need the revival. And, and, and I kind of think all the time, you, you know it's here, right? Like, you don't have to pray for a harvest. You don't have to pray for a harvest field. You don't have to pray for people that need Jesus. You don't have to pray that someone will care. About, like, the harvest is here. Go to the grocery store, there's a harvest. Go to your school, there's a harvest. If you're in school, you're going to start college. Go, go to your school. 
Go into your work and tell me that there's not a harvest at your work, people who need Jesus. You're like, yes, amen, my coworker Debbie, she needs Jesus. We need to be praying for her, right? Like, there is a harvest. There's a harvest in your family. There's a harvest in my family. I'm a pastor. There's still a harvest in my family. There's a harvest. Look around. There is a harvest. There is a harvest right now, right here for you currently. I love John 4, 35. It says, do you not say, this is Jesus talking, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering the fruit for eternal life, so the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, the other reaps. I sent you to reap that which you have not, you did not labor Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. I love that the fields are white for harvest. This is a way of saying, in a very poetic way, pick it or it's going to die. This is the poetic saying, I'm going to give you kind of like how I, how I would say this, pick it or it's going to die. Because fruit that is not picked doesn't just like float off into heaven and join the dogs. It's not like all fruit and dogs would have, right? The harvest either is picked or it falls, right? That's how it works. That's literally all of life. It's built into nature. It's picked or it falls. And so he's saying, listen, the harvest is so plentiful, but there's more harvest than harvesters, which is great job security for me, but not great for the kingdom. <laughs> because there is so much harvest. And I, I get excited and overwhelmed, if I'm going to be honest. By, by that. If I would be totally honest with you, I get so excited about the harvest that God has prepared in this city, and I kind of get like mildly overwhelmed. I'm going to read you some t- statistics, and here's you understand why. 70% of those attending church one or more times a month never share their faith with a stranger. Two out of three Christians, 65%, say it's better to share your faith by the way you live rather than to tell anyone about it. 51 percent of churchgoers, more than half, don't believe that sharing their faith is an essential obligation of their Christian life. So let me give you the result of these statistics. Are you ready? 70% of unchurched people have never been invited to church their whole lives. Meanwhile, it used to be higher. It's a little lower now. 46% say they would go to church if invited by their friend. And now the, the, the goal of everything is not just to get your friends, it's not to get them here, it's to get them, you know, to heaven. That's the goal, that they might encounter Christ. But I'm just saying that there's something about this that says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 70% polled say that they have never been invited to church And yet half of the people polled said, yeah, if my friend invited me, I would go. You have a 50% chance for your friend to encounter the life-changing freedom and power of Jesus Christ. 50%. You probably, I mean, you you can't get those odds in Vegas. Like, if I told you right now, hey, man, I'll give you odds on who's going to win the Super Bowl, and it was 50%, I had the line. I knew what was going to happen, and it was like, it's 50-50, man. You're going to make a grand, or you're going to lose a grand. It's like, that's pretty good. I mean, I, have a thousand, I don't have $1,000, so I wouldn't take it. But, but listen to me when I say 50%, a little less, 46. 
say. And so this is what I'm saying is that God is saying the harvest is ripe. What do these statistics mean? It means that most have not been invited, but most would come. But that most of us don't quite yet have captured that it is part of following Christ to lead people to Christ. So let me lay the groundwork. That is part of following Christ is that it has transformed you and you share it. Now, I'm not telling you how to share it. I'm not telling you if you didn't share Jesus Christ with someone this week that you're a loser and you shouldn't come back to Banner Church. I'm not telling you if you're going through stuff or that you got to be leading every person you find in the street. I'm telling you that at some point the church either needs to pick the harvest or we're just going to die with it. But I believe in a generation that gets a heart for the harvest and reaches out. And pulls their hand back and says, look at what God has done. Because not only statistically, but biblically, we are told that there is freedom and power in the new life of Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is tell somebody, anybody, amen? Anybody. Find somebody. They might not even want to listen to you. That's not, that's not your fault. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets to lead them. You just got to tell them. And you might tell a thousand people and none of them came to church, but at least you got a heart for the harvest. And you have no idea what God can do with just a little bit of your obedience. How do we do it? I think the harvest is statistically says it's more difficult than ever. But I love that Jesus gave us a tool way, way, way back. And here it is, verse 38. It says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. Pray earnestly. Hear me say, the harvest needs hungry hearts and passionate prayer. The harvest needs hungry hearts and passionate prayer. See, our, our response to kind of those overwhelming statistics or, or, or the brokenness we see or the difficulty of intersecting a postmodern society with, with the gospel, all these things, right, it's countered by the fact that we have prayer and we have a God who's powerful, we have a God who does miracles. And when it says pray earnestly, that the word there is literally to beg, to plead, and implore. And it's not saying God wants us to beg. It's not saying that God wants us to beg him. But it's saying that God, God wants us to come before with an attitude of passion and desperation. Let me phrase it for you. Get a hunger for the hurting. Get a hunger. Get hungry for it. Luke 5, 12 says this. Uh, uses the same word. It says, well, he, meaning Jesus, was in one of the cities. There came a man full of leprosy, meaning that he was untouchable, that he should have been avoided, that he should have been pushed aside and forgotten. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face. And he uses the same word here and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I love this word. I love what he's using here because there's this desperation with faith. It's like, God, I have something that is so huge and so impossible, but with you, it's possible. And so he says, God, I pray earnestly, would you take it? I pray earnestly for the harvest. Church, I pray earnestly for you that God would awaken a deeper hunger. We got a church that invites. I love the fact that our church is so good at recognizing the goodness of God and bringing people into the community, I love that. But there's more. There's so much more. There's millions, there's 5.6 million people in this city. There's more. Let it consume you. Let it burn inside of you. Let it stir up. Maybe the laborer that you need to pray for that God sends into the harvest is you. Because you're tired and you're 
exhausted and you've tried or maybe you're unsure or you're uncertain. And, and maybe the hunger, maybe the labor that you need to pray earnestly for is yourself. And hear me say, that's okay. It's okay to pray, God, I, I don't really have a hunger for this. I have an anxiety for this. I need you to give me a hunger. I need you to stir me up. That's okay. It's okay to not be okay with this because this is, this is counter to our instinct to pull away into ourselves. But that's why we're blessed to have the opportunity in the Holy Spirit because God empowers us and pushes us out and is with us and never fails us. And I love that he says, pray earnestly to who? The Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. So not only does Jesus give us the motivation and the mission, but Jesus gives us the opportunity. He says he's the Lord of the harvest. Hear me say, the harvest already belongs to God. I'm going to say it again so we get it in our mind this morning. The harvest belongs to God. If you're writing notes, write the harvest belongs to God. If you're not writing notes, write the harvest belongs to God. It's his harvest. It belongs to him. See, we didn't plant it. We didn't grow it. He did. We didn't die for the sins of mankind. He did. I'm very thankful for that. I would be a terrible savior. But this is amazing is whatever field you're called to harvest already belongs to him. This is why you can have harvest in the most unusual places. This is why even though people talk about our universities and, oh, my gosh, universities are an echo chamber and they're terrible. This is why there's harvest in universities right now. And young people are coming to know Christ. Because it already belongs to him. He already has the authority. This is why, though, your work seems insane. Like, man, I can't share God here. I'm living. <laughs> I'm going to die. The harvest belongs to him. This is why right now there's harvest in countries that it seems like there should be no harvest. Closed off, persecuted, destroyed, attacked, beat down. This is why when Dana shared last week, there are all these Persians that are escaping persecution. And as they go, they are restoring Christianity to Iran through their persecution. Think about that. Why? Because the harvest belongs to God. He is the Lord of the harvest. That means where God has planted me, hear me, I'm going to harvest. Because it's his harvest field. Wherever I'm standing, I'm going to harvest. Wherever I'm at, I'm going to harvest. And you know what? I'm just going to be like a kid when I harvest. If I pick a rotten one, come on, some of you all know these people. I pick a rotten one, I'm like, no, I'm going to send that thing back. <laughs> he talks about it in chapter 10. Kick the dust off your feet. Move on to the next town. But wherever I'm at, I'm going to harvest. Wherever I am, I'm just going to begin to reach out. And I'm going to begin to reach out because it belongs to God anyway. And he's my father. And he's placed me. He's placed me in this family. He's placed me in this job. He's placed me in this city. It may be too hot for me. I can't wait to move back to, I don't know, Cluckamchack or wherever you're from. But you know what? He's placed you here right now. And you're here with us. And you're in this season. And, and right now, you're in a harvest field. And so stop trying to stand on your tiptoes and look over the corn when there's just a field right here to harvest. If he's placed you, he's called you. Some of you say, man, I, I'm not qualified for that. I know you're qualified for that. I'm not qualified for that. Spoiler alert, none of us are qualified. <laughs> we kind of get this Moses complex. When Moses was called by God to lead the people of Israel, he said, yeah, uh, I, I love the burning bush thing. That's great. Really appreciate that, God. But I can't lead people because I'm bad at public speaking. I am an introvert. I'm translating for you all. It's not actually like that. 
right? He says, I'm an introvert. He says, God, you can't use me to save the people of Israel. I have a stutter. I stutter when I talk. Why on earth, God, would you call? There are millions of people on the earth, and the guy you called to speak to the most powerful man on earth has a stutter. Really? That's just bad planning, God. You can't use me. you got to send somebody else because i got to stutter. I can't lead. I'm an introvert. I'm an Enneagram 4 or whatever he was. And I, I can't do that, God. That's not where I fit in my personality profile. I'm not lying. I'm like otter beaver or wherever it falls. Right? Like all these excuses. And so God sends him Aaron. But I think many of us, we feel so inequipped. And this is what I'm going to say to you. And I'm going to encourage you this morning. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that we serve a triune God and that the Holy Spirit has been given us. Because not only has God given us the opportunity, hear me, God has given us the power. See, the answer to I'm too introverted to share the gospel is not to fall back, it's to get filled up. The answer to I I got too much junk in my past is not to sit down, it's to get filled up. The answer to I don't know if I can do it, I don't know if I have any energy or any time, I'm too broken, I'm too, the answer is not to fall back. Our worship team has a core value, and if I say it wrong, correct me, but it's that we don't fall back, we, we don't shut down, we press in. That's what it comes to with the Holy Spirit, is that we don't shut down. We're given the Holy Spirit. We can press in. I, I think this is the thing, church, that if we could get a hold of, it would change everything for us. Hear me, that God has given you power. Hear me again. God has given you power. Who? Wait, which one of us? Everyone. God has given you power. Jesus, when he ascends in John 14, says, I'm going to send another helper. He doesn't say a lesser, a weirder. And maybe it was just years calling him the Holy Ghost that we got confused. But the Holy Spirit, you know, what it, you know who he is? He's God. And God is with you, indwelt within you, and promised the power. And so the answer to, I don't know if I can do it, God's like, yeah, I know. That's why I literally sent part of the Trinity to dwell with you. Because I've, I've seen you in action. <laughs> I know. I know you can't do it. Like, I, when I pray to the Lord, I'm like, God, I don't know if I can do it. He's like, I know, you're a mess. You think about yourself. You like to pick fights. You like to argue. You're selfish. You're self-focused. And most of the time, you say the meanest things to yourself and put yourself down and undercut your potential that comes. That's why I sent my Holy Spirit so that he might be a helper, so that he might get down with you and go, listen, man, I know that you feel like you can't do it. I know that you feel like you're not worthy. I know that you feel like you can't make it and that you're a failure. But you know what? I'm with you. Let's get out there and let's heal some people. Let's get out there and let's see some lives change. Let's get out there and let's see some prisoners freed. I don't know, God. I, I'm an introvert. How am I supposed I don't care what you are. I care what I am, and I'm within you, and I'm sending you out. And now God is going to use us in our giftings. But hear me say, God has given us the power. Our denomination of the assemblies of God was founded on the power. The church was founded. You know what? The first evidence of the Holy Spirit is some aging people are going to kill me right now. It was evangelism. When they were filled with the Spirit, they told people about Jesus. We need to get Spirit-filled, church. I love it when you dance. I love it when you sing. I love it when you prophesy. But I want people who are going to hell to go to heaven. Banner Church, we're not going to wait for someone else to tell our friends about Jesus. He's given us the power. I love Matthew 10. He says, 
And he called to him his 12 disciples. This is after everything I read. He calls them and he says, I give you the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every, de- every disease and every affliction. Hear me this morning. Jesus could have done all this alone. He could have. He could have done it all by himself. I mean, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. He could have done it all alone. But he chose to empower you and I with his spirit. He chose to give us the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the spirit. They're for the edification of the body. They're for the building up of the church. That's why we, we rejoice when there's speaking in tongues. That's why we rejoice when there's prophecy. Because it's for the edification of the body and for the sharing of the gospel and the truth. He's given us his spirit and he sent us out. And this is why Jesus establishes this mission to the disciples in this crucial moment. Because it's so key to him is that we are built to be on mission. You and I were built and created to be on a mission. Did you know that? You might feel like you have messed up your life beyond belief and are so unqualified. But hear me say, God built you for mission. And I'm not, I, I'm really careful not to say the specifics of what you, you know, like of your certain habits or certain personalities because I know we're all different. But I think if I look at Scripture and I see all that he says and I see all that Jesus has done is that we need to grab a hold of a greater mission. That we have power. That we are not underdogs. And we love to post on Facebook and read it on the news like, oh, the church, you know, everyone's after us. Man, forget it. We are not underdogs. We are powerful. We have been given power through the Holy Spirit. We have been given authority through Jesus Christ. And maybe if we just grabbed a hold of that and said, you know, I'm going to function in the authority that comes from him, we would see the breakthrough and the revival because the harvest is ripe for the picking. And Jesus is asking this morning, who's willing to reach out their hands? And grab it. This is the thing. This is why Jesus established the mission. The band can come up. Jesus established the mission because when we get off mission, we get a little crazy. I can usually anticipate uh, when I'm going to have to have a meeting with somebody based on how many weeks I've not seen them on mission at the church in a small group connected. And I know that because I know my own story and my own life. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's me. I, I know that. Because here's what happens. You, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you either pick fruit or you pick fights. This is how churches work. We either are a church that picks fruit, that harvests, that invites the Holy Spirit, that seeks him in prayer, that pursues the lost, or we just start fighting each other about things. This is why churches get uh, split over carpet. This is why churches split because they didn't like something. This is why churches split because they didn't like, I don't know, just pick something. Trey Sandals. You laugh, you laugh. I have seen the most bananagrams things. Because the truth is, in our life, this is why couples fight. Because when you got married, you had to go through pre-marriage counseling. So like you're all like mission, 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 change the world. But you got off mission, and all of a sudden you're like begin to pick, 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 pick. That's how it works. You either pick fruit or you pick fights. And so Christ gave us this mission so that we might be focused on the freedom he could have done in himself, but he invites us into it. And so this morning, God has placed you in a harvest field. God has placed you in a harvest. He has given you the example to teach the gospel and heal the sick. He's given you the motivation. That's the compassion for those who are lost. He's given you the mission to reach out 
to the ripe harvest, to reach out to the hurting, to reach out to those in need. He's given you the opportunity. If you're alive and you're breathing and you're potentially moving, then you have a harvest field. And he's given you his power that he sent his Holy Spirit. And now the great question, church, is will you accept and receive what he has given? Will you pick up the call? Banner Church, I love that we are a church that has a heart for the harvest, that we care for the lost, that we care for the hurting. I love to hear testimony even this week about what God is doing in the lives of people that were far from God but are now experiencing the freedom and power of a new life in Christ. I just love that. And I want to say as your pastor, I am honored to hear that testimony. But right now I'm speaking to the 90% that aren't sure that that's for them. Speaking to the 51% that aren't sure if sharing their faith is an important aspect of following Christ. I'm speaking right now to the 65% that might never share their faith. And I'm saying to you right now, the harvest is ripe. I'm not saying come on staff. I'm saying tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody about Jesus. The harvest is ripe. As a church, people ask me, hey, why are we going to two services? And there's the tactical reason of, you know, kids ministry in space. More than that, I want to give an opportunity for your friends to encounter the love of God. I want to make the most room. We don't have a ton of room here. I don't know if you've seen our parking lot. But I want to give the most opportunity for you to invite your friends to encounter the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. The question is, will you do it? Will we be the church that goes after our friends and our family and our coworkers? Or will we be the church that waits for someone else to tell our family about Jesus Christ? we got to decide. It's right there. It's right. Will we pick it or will we let it fall? That's our decision this morning. Would you stand with me? Man, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, if I'm going to be honest. I'm so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit because life is hard, and it's exhausting, and it's busy, and it's crazy, and most of the time, it just feels like every day you're catching up, and it's difficult, but I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is able to do so much with the little I feel capable of. He's able to do so much in that little window at work. He's able to do so much in that tiny moment at a grocery store. He's able to do so much with that friend that I never thought would come to know the Lord. He's able to do so much with just so little. He's able to bring so much victory, so much hope, so much life, so much power with even that little bit of energy. And so my prayer continually and has been this week, and I want to pray for you in a moment, is my prayer is that God would begin to stir up that hunger for the harvest. That when we pray, what we're not praying is that God would make you some full-blown evangelist personality. But that God would take that little bit inside of you that says, you know what, I remember being lost. I remember missing the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. And man, I don't want anyone else to miss out on that. So God, I give you these moments of my life. I give you this time of my life. I give you this season and I pray would you use me for a harvest. And if you take that little step this morning of just surrendering your heart and say, God, stir up a hunger for the broken and the lost within me, I, I know that God will. 
I believe there's a harvest, and I believe if you would reach out and just grab it, that you would pull your hand back and see that it would be full. It would be full. It would be full. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're in this place, as Jesus has given us the example, as Jesus has given us the motivation, and as he's laid upon our hearts the mission of the church, of Banner Church, and as he's given us the opportunity and given us the power, if you're here this morning and every eye closed and every head bowed and you're saying, this morning, Lord, I need you to stir up a supernatural hunger for the lost. Maybe you're saying, I just don't feel qualified emotionally right now in the state that I'm in. Maybe some of you, you say, I don't know if I, if I can do it or I don't see how it might work. I don't see how this might flow or, you know what, I'm just immediately closed off because people have really pushed this for numbers on me and I just, my natural reaction is to push away from any kind of talk like this because I feel like I'm being condemned. And right now Jesus is just saying to you, this is not about condemnation. This is about empowerment and releasing and restoration and encourage. So right now if you feel that those lies of the enemy coming in condemning who you are, I just reject those in the name of Jesus over your life. That's not who he is. That's not what he's speaking. And I want to pray for you this morning in this place that God would stir up just a passionate hunger for the lost in your heart this morning. And that he would begin to satisfy that desire. And that we would see a great harvest as a church this morning. So if that's you and you're saying, God, I want you to stir up a heart for the harvest inside of me that you would give me opportunity, that you would give me that power that comes from you, Holy Spirit. But God, I need a heart for the harvest. Every eye closed, you just lift your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. It's just a symbol to say, God, here, right here, God, would you stir up a heart for the harvest within me? God, I pray for every hand raised right now who are saying, God, I desire to have a heart for the harvest, for the heart for the lost, a heart for the broken, a heart for those who are in need. And God, I don't mean just a feel bad posting on Facebook heart. I mean a compassion that stirs within us, that, that jumps within us, God, that leaps, that burns within us, God. A compassion and a heart for the lost, God. Stir it up in your church. Stir it up in this place. Stir it up in this assembly by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for every hand that is raised right now, I pray that this week you would give them a unique and powerful opportunity to encounter somebody with your love, to meet them, God, even if it's a brief moment, God, even if it's a brief second, God, I pray that this week you would give that moment to encounter someone with the love of Jesus. We pray for a harvest in our homes and our families, God. We pray for a harvest in our schools. We pray for a harvest in our city. We pray for a harvest in this surrounding Old Town area, God. God, we pray for a harvest in the name of Jesus over every person, over every place, God, and that you would burn that inside of us in the name of Jesus, we pray.